On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. And welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I have a question that is going to seem like it came out of nowhere, but I swear it didn't. Okay. Okay. So what is a wild animal that seems like it should attack people more than it actually attacks people? Bears. Right? Bears. Everyone thinks, yeah, it's like, you know, just don't mess with her cubs and you know you'll be fine but they're not coming for you like they're no. scary but they they are not we have a lot of bears up here they're not coming for you they want the fucking bird seed that's all they want what is going on with the bears by the way it seems like there's a lot of bear activity there's this a year. lot of bear activity and i think it's because everyone they all got real comfortable around the pandemic when we were all home and inside and there weren't that many cars on the road and they were like let's explore and I think they've gotten comfortable exploring. They're like, these people aren't so bad. They just watch me on their security cameras. Yeah, my parents have been seeing a lot of bears too. Just like bears galore in Northern Wisconsin. I don't, I don't know what's, I don't know. I think they're up to something, that's all. I don't think they're going to attack us, but I think they're up to something. Well, they're working with the aliens that we know exist now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Okay, so the thing I think should attack more people than actually attacks people, sea lions. Sea lions. They're sea all lions. Over. Yeah, Good they're point. all over. Uh, like coastal California, they are all, you, you can find them all over the place, you know, sunning themselves. And they have very sharp teeth and they're very cute. And it's like, it seems like people would try to pet them and that that wouldn't go very well. Sea lions are so cute. They're so cute. People don't try to pet them and they don't get bitten. I'm very glad that, you know, sea lions are not a menace, but it seems like they could be. Well, yeah, they're also, like, big. Yeah, they're not small, and they're loud. They could do damage. They could do a ton of damage. So, like, yeah, I, I'm glad the sea lions are not messing with us because they could really fuck us up. They're kind of like Michelle Obama. They're like, when they come low, we go high. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would hear that comparison, but here we are. Aaron, look, we're, we're quick on our feet, okay? We're very quick. This week, it's our 150th episode, and Senator Tammy Baldwin, Kieran Deal, Megan Gailey, and Grace Parra join us to tackle the following questions. Who isn't getting vaccinated? What happens at an all-female senator dinner party? Is supporting one of America's worst governors a romantic deal-breaker? And who is attempting to harangue fruit sellers into friendship? All this and more right now. Okay, news. Uh, the Supreme Court did a thing that we didn't expect them to do. Feels Again. so good. Feels so good. It feels good. I feel like I'm constantly bracing myself for the hammer to fall down on Roe v. Wade, which it almost certainly will at some point. But in the meantime, there are cases that they're deciding that are not the worst possible outcome. And no. it feels weird. Aaron, also, do you know what the Supreme Court did for us? 
they sent decisions down before we recorded. <laughs> they did. Yeah. The, the 10 a.m. box time Eastern time is, is really helpful for us because we can find out a couple hours in advance sometimes what's going to happen. We say thank you, SCOTUS. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I talk about my favorite case? Yes. Okay. So, Erin, in a major student speech case, the Supreme Court has sided with students, ruling that a cheerleader's online profanity about her school is protected speech under the First Amendment. It was an eight-to-one vote with only fucking Clarence Thomas being his usual douche self. Eight-to-one. 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 One. So, I, the case was super, I mean— People love to sensationalize it because it's got like the tic-tac-toe of things you can put in a headline. Cheerleader, Snapchat, profanity. Like there was a cheerleader who got upset about cheerleading. And over the weekend, she put up a Snapchat that said, among other things, fuck cheer. So there was no like targeted bullying. You know, she wasn't going after anybody. It was off school property, not during school hours on a platform that was not owned by the school using equipment that was not owned by the school. And she faced disciplinary action as a result of that snap because some narc who saw the snap told the cheer coach, don't be a narc, kids. Come on. Don't be a narc, especially when eight Supreme Court justices disagree with you. Yeah. They ruled this person a baby Karen. Whoever this fellow student was that saw this snap is officially, according to the Constitution, a baby Karen now. Well, and for anyone of school age who is listening to us, also worth knowing that the justices concluded that a few swear words posted online from off campus did not rise to the definition of disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. So there have been some Supreme Court cases that establish that schools can regulate student speech if it's disruptive, if it's bullying. There's a bunch of narrow uh, circumstances under which they can discipline students for off-campus speech. But this isn't one of them, which I think is really good news for a couple of reasons. One, what is being a teenager if not sometimes just being like, fuck cheer on Snapchat, you know? I mean, well, that's what's part the of point? <laughs> Part of the experience, getting mad and, and lashing out on your own time in a way that doesn't hurt anybody. Um, but, you know, another thing is, I think, looking more broadly, at a time when public schools are being stripped of money left and right, uh, state governments are trying to funnel money into charter schools and religious schools, which are often, you know, run by the church or run by corporations. Um, I think empowering school administrations to discipline students for off-campus behavior is a slippery slope. It's dangerous. And we don't want to go down a path where we eventually have churches and corporations disciplining students for speech off-campus. I think this is good. And I think you and I both disagree with the Biden administration on this one. The Biden administration was in favor of the school. Yeah, like why? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's also a function of like... A lot of people in government are old and don't quite understand how any of this works and are trying to make rules about it from a position of not knowing how any of it works. And, you know, like my position on that would be if you don't know, maybe just be quiet. <laughs> uh, when has that ever stopped anybody in government? I feel like the less they know, the louder they are in a lot of cases like this. It's true. But we can hope. We can definitely hope. We can encourage. 
we can encourage, and th- that's why like people who are younger and more tech savvy should run for office and prioritize like things that have any kind of understanding of technology because it's no wonder sometimes that the Russians are totally kicking our ass when it comes to like cyber warfare <laughs> because it's like, look who's running. We we have like, it's like a geritocracy essentially. <laughs> and like, you know, not, I think that the, the wisdom of people who have been around and seen a lot of things is really important to incorporate into government, but so is an understanding of how current life works. So like a little age diversity would be super helpful in, in making good rules. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Oh, we also had the NCAA ruling come down this this past week. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Good, good. for them. Good. good. They should be able to make money. Well, players should be allowed to make at least as much money as the schools were making off of their likeness. Yeah. The NCAA case basically made it so that the NCAA can't bar schools from uh, compensating student athletes in educational specific ways. So, you know, student athletes now get scholarships, they get, uh, you know, extra tutoring, they get room and board, you know, but there are other things that student athletes could be getting from schools that the NCAA has barred them from getting that relate to their education. And now that's out the window. I feel like eventually they're going to get paid and good. I agree. Uh, like, good. You know, and it's like I, I was listening to, uh, I think it was NPR, and heard the factoid that Nick Saban, the coach in Alabama, makes $8 million a year. It seems mm-hmm. like the people who are playing should at least be able to be like, can I get some residuals? Yeah. It's really crazy. And the NCAA, I like the arguments the NCAA made in their own favor were like so nonsensical. Like when you actually see it spelled out, you know, it's it's just like, oh, you guys really are, you've completely drank your own Kool-Aid. Like you are high on your own supply. You have no idea how silly your reasoning sounds. Like there is no justification for making that much money off people that cannot profit from their own fucking image being used. So, yeah. and you know, as much as I hate to admit it, Kavanaugh has been on the right side of the NCAA thing. In the NCAA arguments, he was like the person who seemed to get it the most, um, which was good. And in the Snapchat case, he seems to have kind of an understanding, um, which which is better than nothing. That is the standard. Agree, agree. You know, it's good. Good. We're glad. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, do I like him? No. No. Will I ever? Probably not. (laughs) Can I acknowledge that he did did a thing that wasn't bad? Yes. Yes. That's what makes us such compelling hosts. (laughs) (laughs) We're so mature. We're We're so mature. So mature. We can both sides it. No, we can't. I'm just kidding. We sell shirts that say "fuck that guy." We are so mature. But you know what? Our (laughs) schools can't discipline us for saying it on Snapchat now. So thank you, Supreme Court. The mildest of thank yous to the Supreme Court. Um, Another thing that happened this week, um, the Biden administration announced this week that their goal of having at least 70% of American adults partially vaccinated by July 4th is not something that they're going to be able to meet. However, they did point out some wins that they've had, which is that 
people over 30 will meet that mm-hmm. by the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alyssa, here's a thing that kind of confused me. In all of this coverage of vaccines, a lot of it has been devoted to people who are vaccine hesitant who are not under 30, who are, you know, old, angry white dudes in red states. But the statistics are showing us that the people that are not getting vaccinated are the people that are under 30. So, like, what what gives? I don't know. I mean, look, it's like I think that at least enough older people have been bullied by the idea that they can't see their grandkids unless they're vaccinated. So I think, you know, we have to kind of like, we really have to ask the under 30 crowd, like, what the fuck? You should mm-hmm. know better. This is not, uh, this is not hard. Like, Aaron, I had an example up here where uh, two of my dis- my trees got diseased. And I was very confused because I'm like, I thought these were resistant to cedar apple rust. And they were like, yes, resistant means it won't die. Doesn't mean it won't get it. And so I guess... Vaccines are kind of like that, right? It's like, we don't want to die. Like, why do they want to die? Get the fucking vaccine. Just go. Mm -hmm. Get the jab. Guess what? Look how many people have gotten it. And everyone's doing pretty okay. So can you please go get it? Like, you're you're gathering in groups. You're doing what you want to do. You are DJing your own adventure. But you're also potentially Mm -hmm. asymptomatic carriers. So, Erin, what? (laughs) Yeah. It also, like, the thing about the the under 30 stat, first of all, I think there's more people under 30 than there are angry, impotent white men in red states, you know? Like, so that might be skewing the numbers a little bit. Um, Just, that's just how the population kind (laughs) of lines up. But uh, here's the thing I wish that they were talking about more, and we've talked about this on the show, but we don't know the long-term effects of having COVID, even a mild case. We don't know. We're seeing really weird long-term effects on people who have serious cases, like lingering effects of COVID. We're seeing people who are otherwise young and healthy having trouble breathing for months and months and months because of COVID. And we don't know everything there is to know about it yet. So I think young people choosing not to get vaccinated, um, it's demonstrating a failure of communication that we haven't communicated. Like, look, Most of the people who have died from COVID are in more vulnerable populations than you, but we don't know. If you get it, do you want to have long COVID for 40 years? Like, do you want to have fuzzy brain? Do you want to face erectile dysfunction, which is a thing that has been associated with getting COVID? Do you want to face any number of vascular issues that haven't been fully studied yet? Um, do you want to pass it on to somebody who's possibly immunocompromised, who who the shot doesn't work on? Do you want to have that on your conscience? And I don't know, maybe we just need more pro-vaccination content on TikTok. Maybe, but also it's like, you know, this is something that has had me particularly riled for the last 16 months. But like the more the disease spreads, which is what you are doing and participating in if you haven't been vaccinated, the more it will mutate. And now the predominant strain in America is the Delta strain, which is proved to be more uh, more virulent. And like, I don't know what comes, does Epsilon come after Delta? <laughs> right? I think, epsilon. I think so. Okay, well, I don't no, want to see the epsilon strain. So I don't want to see what it's going to be capable of. I just think that we are so close and I just, you know, 
how fucking hard is it? It's free for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, that that's another thing. It is free in terms of cost. Right. But it's Good not point. free in terms of it's not free in terms of time. Right. So if like somebody has to deal with like a boss that's giving them shit about taking time off to possibly, you know, spend a day feeling a little under the weather after getting their second dose. Like, I can understand why a person wouldn't want to do that. I, but I do think that, like, you know, it's on employers to make it appealing to yeah. mandatory to get the vaccine. Because, you know, there have been some recent court cases that have shown that, yeah, you pretty much can require your employees to get it. Um, a bunch of people in a hospital in Texas learned that the hard way by getting fired. Um I think another thing that that should and can happen is I think colleges, all colleges, you got to require it. Guess what? When I showed up at the University of Vermont and hadn't had my like second measles vaccination or my booster, they fucking hunted my ass down at the old Chittenden dorms. And they were like, you'll be going to get your vaccination today. And I did. And I'm here and I'm fine. (laughs) Right. I mean, I, I feel like this is another thing that so many people have gotten it without major incident. And so few people have gotten COVID without it being something that is concerning to like seriously life fucking. Um, It's just, just assess the risk here. You know, like if you get COVID, the chances of you having something very bad happen to you are high, or the chances of you enabling something very bad to happen to somebody else, high. If you get the vaccine, the chances of that happening, quite low. So- yeah, quite low. Like, let's let's be a little bit smarter about assessing risk. I know that kids, people younger than what, like 25, they don't have a fully developed frontal lobe. Frontal lobe. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, make decisions in a way that, that accurately assesses the risk. Like, instead of applying different standards to the vaccine than to the disease, understand that you are encountering both of those things in the same world. So do the thing that is less risky, which is getting the vaccine. Um all right. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Alyssa has to jump off, but I am going to have a chat with yet another hysteria three-timer, Senator Tammy Baldwin. Pride of Wisconsin. The good Wisconsin senator. Good Wisconsin senator. And welcome back. Wisconsin is a land of contrasts. Cheese and beer, but also heartburn and hangovers. Robert LaFollette and Mark Ruffalo, but also Paul Ryan and Ed Gein. The Milwaukee Bucks, but also the Milwaukee Brewers, although they're in second place, which, wow, okay, baseball. And two senators that could not embody that contrast more strongly. Today, we're excited to welcome back to Hysteria, Wisconsin's good senator. She was the Badger State's first woman to serve in the U.S. Senate and the first openly LGBTQ member elected to the Senate. She's our favorite Baldwin. Sorry, Hilaria. Welcome, Senator Tammy Baldwin. I'm so delighted to join you. Thanks for having me. Thank you again for joining the three-peat hysteria club. I think you're one of an elite group of people. Yeah, who've been on here three times. Um, So we're about to wrap up another Pride Month. And while this country has accomplished a lot in the way of LGBTQ rights, there's still some important legislation that's not law yet. So can you explain to our listeners, why is the Equality Act so important for LGBTQ rights? What does the bill do? And what are the chances that it will pass with this Senate? The Equality Act is uh, 
designed to be comprehensive anti-discrimination uh, uh, reforms that would protect people uh, from discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. And the reason it's so vital is that in a majority of jurisdictions around the country, um, this type of discrimination isn't outlawed. Uh, or uh, if there are some measures, they may uh, include uh, gay and lesbian people, but not transgender people. Um, there's uh, so many jurisdictions in the country where you can be denied housing or uh, equality in educational settings or uh, uh, bounced from a jury uh, or denied credit. Uh, and uh, but just by virtue of who you are or who you love. And so the Equality Act addresses that. Now there's one major change that happened between last session and this session. Um, and that is that the Supreme Court took up a case uh, last summer that uh, was, um, and, and determined that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act protects people uh, on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity um, in employment discrimination. And what they, the, the way they got there was say, you know, that Title VII outlaws discrimination based on sex and that um, sexual orientation and gender identity um, are uh, inextricably linked to sex and therefore included in the um, Title VII's protections. Uh, but is only in the employment setting. So while we have that really important Supreme Court uh, ruling, it doesn't protect people for housing, for education, for public accommodations, um, and these other areas that are very important to our lives. So that's one reason why we have to pass it. I, I'd say one more, and that is that we're seeing a spate of uh, anti-LGBT laws passing in states and being offered in states, particularly focused on transgender uh, individuals and particularly, sadly, uh, cruelly on transgender youth. Mm -hmm. And so um, the Equality Act would uh, bring a halt to these type of anti-gay measures that we're seeing uh, all around the country. Um, so it, it's, it's critical that we pass it. Now, that said, the other part of your question is, is that possible? Mm -hmm. um, so right now, in order to pass legislation uh, in the Senate, we typically need 60 votes. And right now, this uh, measure doesn't have uh, 60 votes. And so we are working very hard. We've targeted about uh, 12 Republicans um, who may want to get to yes in terms of the Equality Act. And we are working very hard, negotiating very hard to try uh, to win them over. And that does involve, you know, discussing maybe some minor modifications that won't do harm to the underlying mission of the Equality Act. Um, but under current rules, uh, we still have a, a lot of work to do. Um, and, and we can get into the idea of filibuster reform in a moment, but I would just say that uh, that's something that I think the Senate is gonna have to look at 
um, if we're going to uh, move forward on many civil rights issues and voting rights issues, et cetera, um, but we're not quite there yet. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely get to the filibuster reform and fixing the Senate and all that. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to ask you about another important piece of legislation, which is the Biden administration's infrastructure bill. Yes. Um, I think because the media is centered in urban areas, uh, we tend to hear about bills in terms of how they benefit people who live in the cities and suburbs. So as someone who represents a lot of rural people, how do you pitch the infrastructure bill to rural voters? Like, what's in it for them? What does what about the bill should our listeners who live in rural areas, either in Wisconsin or outside of Wisconsin, what should they know about the bill and how it benefits them? Well, I'm just going to start with uh, some very basic facts, and that is, if, if you live in a rural area um, that's usually defined as, you know, sparsely populated, it means you need to drive, right? <laughs> you need to drive to get to work. You need to drive to get the kiddies to school. You need to uh, drive to go to the grocery store. And I think the failure to adequately maintain our surface transportation infrastructure is um, much worse for rural America than it is uh, for urban America. And not to say that I haven't seen horrible uh, uh, infrastructure issues affecting urban America, but I just think, you know, the bottom line is that it's compounded in rural areas where um, travel over the roads is a necessity in order to um, get the things you need um, and get to the things and places that you need to be. So I, I think that this would have an outsized impact um, on, on rural uh, Wisconsin. Secondly, I'm going to just recount a, an experience that was quite eye-opening for me. And that was early on in my Senate career, we had uh, a, a, an extreme weather event in northern Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. 14 inches of rain in about, well, less than 24 hours. And, you know, little creeks turned into walls of water and destroyed and washed out roads. Um, and I went to inspect the damage and um, sort of try to uh, assist in federal resources to help rebuild and encountered the problem that a lot of the rebuilding, um, you, you just restore what was damaged. You don't get to improve the infrastructure and make it more resilient and stronger. Well, it turns out two years later, another extreme weather event, rain event, um, that it was basically two 500-year events within two years. Mm -hmm. And many of the same stretches of road were damaged uh, again or repair work that was underway for the 2016 storm uh, was wiped out by the 2018 uh, event. And I, I mentioned that because again, if, if this infrastructure plan plans to build back better, uh, more resiliently, stronger, and that will also have an outsized impact on rural America. Broadband deployment is part of this and disproportionately, it's rural communities in Wisconsin that lack access to high-speed broadband adequate to their needs. Um, I 
am so sad every time I hear a story about, you know, the school year habits of families to load the kids in the van, drive to the parking lot outside the school so all of them can get the Wi-Fi from school to do their homework because homework increasingly, unlike my days, is on iPads and, uh, you know, so I think that this infrastructure plan will have um, an enormous uh, positive impact for rural Wisconsin and rural America. Mm -hmm. Okay, so speaking of the Senate passing things, uh, we are coming off a discouraging few weeks of inaction and obstruction and what my grandpa would have characterized as hemming and hawing. Uh, about procedure and rules that that aren't really important to the daily lives of most Americans beyond the fact that they're preventing the Senate from doing stuff that will help people. So right now, the Senate's split 50-50. Democratic senators represent 20 million more voters than Republican senators do. For many voters, it looks like the Senate is broken. So is it broken? Can it be fixed? And what needs to happen in order for it to work for Americans again? Right. Well, yeah, let's just retrace what's happened in the last few weeks. We bought, brought a bill that passed the House um, up in the Senate that would create a bipartisan commission to investigate what happened when we saw on January 6th a violent insurrection against, uh, you know, on the Capitol and against lawmakers who were counting the electoral votes. That did not move forward because of a Republican filibuster. The next week we had a vote scheduled for the Paycheck Fairness Act, which is about helping us move further to eliminate wage disparities between men and women. Um, and that was blocked because the Republicans decided to filibuster it. This week, we saw uh, the For the People Act um, not even be able to move forward for debate, let alone a vote on final passage, um, because the Republicans decided to filibuster it. So I think that um, the way in which the current minority party uh, in the Senate is choosing to use the filibuster is blocking progress for the American people. I was sent to Washington to represent the people of the state of Wisconsin and get things done. And I believe that if getting things done uh, that benefit my constituents um, requires eliminating or reforming the filibuster, that we need to do that. And increasingly the pressure is mounting to do something about their obstruction. Mm -hmm. Well, I am rooting for the filibuster to also go the way of the dinosaurs. Uh, okay, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time, so I'm going to end on a light note. Last week, Vice President Harris invited all the women in the U.S. Senate, Democrats and Republicans, to our house for dinner. So is having a group dinner politically productive? Like, what types of conversations are you having with, like, Senator Marsha Blackburn or Joni Ernst? And... Which senator is surprisingly the most fun dinner guest? Oh, great questions. Well, let me just add that the tradition of the women getting together for dinner um, is one that Barbara Mikulski 
started years ago um, when there was like a sufficient number of women in the Senate to have a, a dinner. And that's been going on since, um, you know, since Barbara Mikulski started it and she always makes sure that it happens. And she even checks back on us. Are you still meeting? <laughs> Um, so the last time we had dinner pre-pandemic, Senator Harris was Senator Harris, not Vice President Harris. And uh, she was part of, of our dinners. And so this was the first dinner we've had as all of us are now vaccinated, et cetera. And it was so wonderful. It's like a big reunion. But of course, she's now Vice President hosting us at the Vice President's residence. It was fun. And I mm -hmm. think that while some of our previous dinners have had a lot of policy discussions, this was like a reunion and it was just fun to be together uh, and catch up. Um, so in terms of your question about who is most fun, well, I was sitting next to um, uh, Shelly Moore Capito. Mm -hmm. And um, so Shelly, and I served in the House together and then both ultimately now serving in the Senate. She's hysterical, uh, really? you know, just as a, as a dinner companion. It was a big enough table now because there's so many of us. Well, we're still just a quarter of the Senate, but, but it was a big enough table that there were all sorts of small conversations going on, interrupted by occasional toasts where somebody would rise and, and speak to the whole group. Uh, but it was, it was so much fun. That sounds great. And also I cannot, you know, not to disparage the men in the Senate, because I wouldn't encourage you to do that, but I will. I can't see them doing that. Like, should we, should women be in charge of more stuff? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we should absolutely be in, in charge of more stuff. We, one of the things that always comes up at these women's uh, dinners is like, if we were in charge, uh, we wouldn't have X happen or Y happen. We, you know, we would run it better. We would have better policy outcomes. Um, and, and I think that's true. <laughs> I tend to agree. Uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great conversation and come back again sometime. Also go Bucks. Yes, go Bucks. So exciting. Thank you. Okay, we have to take a quick break. But before we do that, one of your Fuck That Guy submissions. I am a teacher in Maryland, and I would like to say fuck that guy to the head of the science department for my school district. She is as dumb as a stack of bricks, and she's in charge of all of the science teachers in the county. She doesn't know anything about anything, and she doesn't. she's clearly never spoken to a child before. So fuck that guy. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Thank you.
For my Fuck That Guy nominee, I nominate my Congresswoman, Lauren fucking Boebert. She is a complete and utter embarrassment to the entire district, including those counties, especially those counties that didn't vote for her, like mine. She does absolutely nothing except try to make sound bites to own the libs, which she doesn't do because they don't make sense because she's a fucking idiot. She couldn't even bring herself to vote for anti-Asian hate crimes bill. She is a travesty. We hate her. Fuck that guy. And welcome back. Thanks to all of you who sent in Fuck That Guy submissions. Turns out a lot of people really need to fuck off, which is, I guess, Alyssa, we kind of expected this. We knew it would be a robust submission. Yeah, it's like hands across America, (laughs) except fuck off across America. In every city and town, there are people that need to need to fuck off. And many of them are elected officials, which is unfortunate. Um, so I really am excited to get to our panel discussion this week. Every week is very special, but this week is very especially special because this week is our 150th episode. Woo! Woo! <laughs> I mean, you guys, we don't look a day over like 15 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think I've aged like a president. Like when this when this show started, I was, uh, I had not met my husband yet. I think it was like week three of doing this show. I was like, I think I'm going to go out on a date with a guy with a cool dog. And now I'm like married and all this. Um, okay. So I want to bring in our panelists who were part of the OG crew um, on the LA side of the country. First, um, I'm going to introduce self-described nervous little pepper, Grace Para. What's up, guys? Nervous <laughs> little pepper, spicy little pepper, <laughs> sassy little pepper, all the little peppers uh, I am. Hello. Either way, the pepper is agitated in some way. For it sure. Is and represented. <laughs> and represented. <laughs> and very edible, by the way. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, next up, she is a Daisy Duck super fan who you can see at the Helium Comedy Club in Indianapolis on July 6th and 7th, Megan Gailey. Hi, especially special episode. Hello. Um, you're doing comedy on the road again. That's yeah. so exciting. And well, th- these are my favorite types of shows because I'm going to Indianapolis to visit my family and see uh, a niece who's going to be two that I haven't seen since she was three months old. But then in addition to riding on a pontoon boat with those people, I also get to do comedy. And so oh it's a God. it's a double whammy of fun for me. <laughs> Would you do comedy on a pontoon boat? I have done Comedy on a gondola. I would do comedy <laughs> anywhere, it, which is a true mental illness that I shouldn't be screaming, but I'll do it anywhere. <laughs> Floating, submerged, whatever you want. I will do an ANTM challenge of comedy. Oh, that's my America's gosh. Next Top Model. Sorry. <laughs> I will. Uh, no, we, we know it's an ANTM friendly space. We We're are cycle 150 right now on this. Oh. Yeah, seriously. This is ANTM Cycle 150 Hysteria Edition. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And last but not least, a woman whose face has been on the side of a bus, which <gasps> none of the rest of us can say. Kieran Deal. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Bus face does love you. I love you all. <laughs> yes. Kieran, you've been doing comedy again too, haven't you? 
Yeah, I've been doing it in Los Angeles. So I don't know if Gailey, if you've been getting up here, but it's, um, yeah, it's been really lovely. You know, it's been delightful to see people's human faces. Mouths exist. It's been a minute since I've seen teeth and mouths and mouths laughing, you know, not just like masks. So. Right. Is it like, um, is everybody just like, oh, it feels good to laugh again? Like, are the audiences The audiences feel like, Yes. New Thirsty. I love it. like nubile. And you're like thirst. And you're like just thirst from the audience. They're as thirsty as we are, but I think the window is small. Like we're like flying high and this oasis is going to disappear. But guess what? We're already back in. People yeah. are, yeah, people are really excited to be at. I will say, like, I did, you know, that Lubitsch, I, mm-hmm. at yeah, Lubitsch, yeah. it was like after there was a part, there, it turns into a dance party. Yeah. And it was like the most poppin' thing. I had, I just, it was, pop, I, I, I would just never describe a party as poppin', but poppin', <laughs> guys, this thing was fucking poppin'. It was just, you know, and there were so many good-looking people. I don't yeah. know where they all came yeah. from. Like, it was wild. It was truly wild. And it might just be my lack of exposure to others, but (laughs) I was very impressed. There are people that got, that got beautiful, even more beautiful during Mm. quarantine. Thank you so much. There are, yeah, they're, they're around and they're coming out and they're walking around and it's like startling. It's like walking around a corner and seeing a raccoon in the middle of the sidewalk. You're like, whoa, oh, okay. Whoa, your face, beautiful face. Um, All right. So today, rather than talking about like, you know, a topic that has irked or vexed us in some way, uh, we decided to open it up to our listeners. So we decided we would let our listeners submit questions seeking advice from us. Not that we have any business giving it, but if you ask, we'll we'll help. Um, Alyssa, I wanted to kind of start this conversation off a little bit by talking about like Part of the reason we call this solicited advice is because I think we all get a lot of unsolicited advice. Yeah. Why don't um, you smile while you say that? <laughs> <laughs> is do, do you still get like smile? Have you started getting smile again now when you walk around, when you're like in the city in New York? Do people tell you to smile? Uh, no. I still kind of keep my mask on for good measure just because <laughs> uh-huh. I am slightly concerned about not just the Delta variant because whatever – but you guys, I've gotten like too cold since I stopped yep. wearing my mask. Yeah. So I'm keeping, I'm keeping, uh, I'm keeping that on. But, but previously I have been told to smile and I expect that, that feedback to return. <laughs> a friend of mine is a doctor in New Jersey and told me yesterday that, that she is seeing a surge of winter-like colds and flus <gasps> happening right now. That's exactly like what happens during, you know, November, December of most years, but it's happening now because we're all out in the world circulating, spreading our germs. So I'm with Alyssa, mask up, let's go. <laughs> And other germs are still real. Like, that's the thing that's like, it's like COVID was always a thing, but there's all the other diseases. You can also still get those too, yep. you know? Right, right. Bronchitis. You can still get bronchitis now. Oh, I forgot about bronchitis. It's oh. back, bitches. Yeah, bronchitis oh. is back. Strep yeah. throat. And like, if you, the thing is now, if you have any symptoms whatsoever involving the respiratory system, you basically are like, well, I can't do anything. I have to stay home. I can't, it might be COVID. So yeah, <laughs> I think, I think masking up during this time of like, the germs are having a hot girl summer too. Yeah, they you know? are. Yes. Like during, masking up during this time could actually save you from snot girl summer, 
which uh, is what happens when you but I'll bump. <laughs> Thank you. I just came up with it. And if I had come up with it before, I probably wouldn't have said it because I would have thought about it for a second before I said anything. Okay. Um, I want to talk. Uh, oh, yeah. Before we get to the solicited advice questions. Um, so the show is coming up on three years. I mean, 150 episodes, just about three years. Um, Grace, what that has happened in the past three years has been most memorable to you in terms of like national news events. Keep in mind that the first episode of this show was recorded on the day that Anthony Kennedy announced he was retiring from the Supreme Court. Oh my God. It's, I, I cannot believe it's been three years. Uh, uh, it feels like it's been, uh, it feels like it's been 10 years in some ways. Like who was I before hysteria? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Um, the biggest news stories to me, I mean, I, you know, I, I, certainly COVID, um, certainly uh, the election. Uh, I definitely three years ago felt like I was more aware of what was going on in politics. I've been, I've been able to like blissfully not have to watch CNN constantly and feel like I don't have to necessarily uh, read news all the time, which has been good. So I'm probably way more ignorant now than I was three years ago, but blissfully so. Uh, I'm thrilled about that, by the way. It's been it's been kind of nice. I feel like I'm a little bit more in touch with my family now than I was three years ago, um, if that's helpful to anybody else out there. <laughs> It's it's tough to to narrow it down to just one story. I feel like I actually feel like everything has changed in three years. Everything. I mean, for me personally, everything has changed. Much like you, Aaron, too. You know, I I am married now, and like I live in a different place, and I've gone through so many family changes, and even like big career shifts, and um, very few things are what they were three years ago when we first started this pod. Yeah, it's crazy because like you think. Three years in the future, you're like, oh, yeah, three years. I don't have time to do anything. But you look three years in the past, and it's like, dude, I did everything in the last three <laughs> yeah. years. Like, everything changed. Alyssa, same question for you. What has been the biggest, like, news event in the last three years? Because you've been, like, on almost every episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the biggest news, I think, was definitely the election. Like, I just feel like that for us was such a – I don't know what I would have done during 2020, if it weren't for us, kind of, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's like therapy. It's like, I think we helped people understand things a little bit more. But also, I mean, you guys, the Democratic primary was fucking wild. It feels like forever ago, and it was like a year ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, like, had to do – I had to do MSNBC on Santa Monica Pier on the day of the California primary. I remember. And I watched you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I, um, yeah. And it was like, so weird. Cause at the time we were like, well, Biden's not probably not going to win. And then it just, everything just totally went to shit. Um, okay. Uh, Kieran, same question for you. What was the biggest news story that we kind of handled on the show? I would say, I would second the, I think the, tr you said the Trump, you said obviously Trump, the election. Um, uh, and COVID, but Kavanaugh, I would mm -hmm. say Kavanaugh was yeah, really big too, because it's me, the Me Too, you know, the entire Me Too movement started. Like this was something that we had addressed on the on the pod, I think, in a in a real way, you know. Mm -hmm. Megan, same question for you. I definitely second um, Kieran's Kavanaugh. I remember that just being tr like that hearing was. Oof. 
a lot. And um, and and I think in the same way Alyssa feels the show helped her through the 2020 election, I felt like this show helped me. And then I think also, it, you know, I know it was so much bad and just so much was happening, but RBG's passing mm-hmm. um, felt very, like, fuck, where do we turn? And I hope that this was a good place for some people to be able to turn for Mm -hmm. some just (laughs) expression of emotions during that time. And I think during Kavanaugh, having an outlet that was a female outlet, Mm -hmm. I think when so much of the, there's just so much news that's got to, it's just got to skew or gender bias just because of who's on the news, right? So I I thought that having like an all-female crew for that specific moment was particularly powerful. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say, I just remember, I think all these things happened at the same time. (laughs) Kavanaugh was nominated. John McCain passed away, and mm-hmm. so did Aretha Franklin. And I remember going to the doctor the day Aretha passed away, and I just sobbed. And he's like, "What is wrong?" I go, "It's just too much. Like mm-hmm. it's just too much. It's just too much." Yeah, it was. That's how it felt. Everything was just too much that that, that month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. Feel, it did feel like too much a lot of the time. I think my favorite, my favorite moment, and I think this is kind of a sleeper sleeper news event over the last three years. But the 2018 midterm elections, mm-hmm. um, and like I felt like going into those elections, just reading, talking to people, keep, you know, like keeping an eye on like what was going on, and and like women that I'm friends with that aren't involved in politics at all from back home, and just taking the temperature of of how it it felt like something was brewing with female voters and with progressive voters who were like really fed up with. Uh, President Trump. And um, in 2018, the election result, you know, on the night of the election, everybody kind of was like bummed out because we Mm -hmm. get the East Coast results first and Mm -hmm. whatever. And then, you know, there was this really cool blue, like historic blue wave that came through. And a lot of it was like driven by women. And I started to feel less hopeless at that point. I was like, oh, this is actually like, we actually have some power here. Like we're actually doing something here. So you know, I think I, I kind of try to channel the 2018 election, like three weeks after the 2018 election, when it was like, well, 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 look at what <laughs> happened. Um, I try to channel that because it's like the, the just the kind of groundswell of people across the country in all of these different places and these diverse districts coming up with a Congress that like unseated Paul Ryan was just amazing. Like it was it was so cool. And I really hope we don't fuck it up in 2022. Cause that would suck. And I'm ready to, I'm, (laughs) that would suck. I like, like Grace. I mean, I'm, I'm still paying attention to the news, but I don't spend my days panicked about the news anymore, which is like really nice. And I don't want to go back to that. So that's, that's what's going to keep me afloat through 2022. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh my gosh, Caroline put what are your top five favorite things about your producer? Yeah, in the, in the yes. show. Good question. 
We should probably talk about Caroline. What yes. are our yeah. favorite things about our producer, Caroline? She um, is a joy. She's a delight. She is always on time and always keeping us together and gives us all the information that we need. It is a it is a joy to work with Caroline. She is just awesome. We're friends outside of the podcast because we both love Bravo. And so we have gone to some real, we've gone to a different podcast live taping um, <laughs> that is not even part of the crooked universe and dressed up as ghosts. <laughs> to go to it. Like, we've had some fun times together, and I I value our text conversations about housewives. <laughs> <laughs> um, Caroline is like, if if I were writing a serial killer character that was <laughs> scarily organized, yes. it would have a lot of commonalities with Caroline's organizational skills. Um, she has more spreadsheets and like more ability to keep things in line and keep track of like 50 moving parts. Um, And this show is kind of unique because we have a set group of co-hosts, but we switch them up and sometimes we add new people into the mix and it has to be nimble because it's the news. And she's always like, all right, cool. Like no matter what we throw at her, she's like, Uh all right, cool. And she figures out a way to make it work. So that's uh, that's my favorite thing about my producer. Caroline, I bet you didn't think we were going to answer this, did you? (laughs) Oh, yes, we are. And not only is everything (laughs) that Erin said true – but not only does she not judge me for my obsession with 90 Day Fiance, she's right there with me. And oh, yeah. Yes. It, like a good friend. It is. <laughs> and not just one, all of them. Happily mm. Ever After, Pillow mm. Talk, you name it. Mm. And so uh, I feel like she sees me on many levels and I see her and all, all the iterations of Caroline. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'll add in, she's very patient, Mm -hmm. no matter how many times you forget to send your, you know, Google voice recording (laughs) over, she'll send just like a quick reminder. She's on top of it before, before you've even forgotten. She's like, Uh this bitch forgot a bunch of times. Let me, (laughs) let me, uh, let me remind her in advance so she doesn't embarrass herself. And, um, and one time I remember we had a very nice coffee slash drink talking about sororities and she told me everything and she's just so candid and, and just a really nice person. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we love, love you. Caroline, Caroline we love you. Caroline today, we will all remember to thumbs up our favorite pick. Yes. Yes, yes we will. <laughs> um, okay. On that note, first of all, uh, before we before we end this, I want to say thank you to all the listeners. You guys are I I mean mm-hmm. look yeah mm-hmm. I don't want to brag, but I think you guys are the best. Yes, um, I know it's other people group. outside outside of the crooked media universe who have podcasts that have like comparable size audiences, and none of the hosts love their listeners as much as Mm-mm. we love you guys Mm-mm. because you guys are awesome. Seriously, the be- best I would say best best group in the biz. Um, and that's not a sentence I ever say. So there you go. <laughs> um, okay. Now let's, let's get on to the solicited advice that some of you uh, sent us. Caroline, do you want to fire up the first question? Hi, Aaron. Hi, Alyssa. My name is Steven and I'm in Seattle, Washington. My question for you two is about my cousin. She's about to turn nine years old and I love her to death, but sometimes she can be really bossy. But I try not to call her that because I feel as if that's a very gender-loaded term. Like, I don't think people generally call boys bossy. So my question is, what is a good alternative word to use when I want to tell her to stop being annoying and maybe let someone else give input or suggest ideas for the group? Thank you, and I can't wait for your next 150 episodes. Oh, wow. 
Thank you, Stephen. Um, well, Megan, you grew up in a family with a lot of, look, no reason I'm calling on you. Uh, you grew up in a family with a couple older brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and now and now I have all nieces, one nephew, but I've got a lot of nieces and some of them do display the qualities that Stephen from Seattle is describing. I have a niece. I'm not saying this is advice. I do have a five-year-old niece that I refer to as a little hater. Um, and so maybe <laughs> that's an alternative. Like I'll be like, hi. And she's like, I don't want to talk to Aunt Megan. And I'm like, okay, bye hater. Um, and I do say that to a child. And she does respond to it and laugh. And, and then that doesn't seem gendered. So maybe try out Little Hater. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, I think we're the same. <laughs> when my niece JJ is being sassy, to me specifically, I just go, Cheeks, I think you're being uncool. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeks. I love that. Uncool is not gendered because right? everybody right. can be uncool. Uh, Kieran, do you have any any like <laughs> alt bossy words? Uh, I was just thinking about like my friend forwarded over like a leadership, you know, like communication tool stuff because you just want to be like, I think the comic in you is like, shut the fuck up. Do you, know what I mean? <laughs> you, can't, you can't say that to a baby. Do you know what I mean? And, and like anyone under 12 is like, you know, they're humans, but it's like, you know, you can damage them. So, you know, I'm wondering if there's like, you know, like, I love that you're so assertive. I'm wondering if you can be like, I love that you have an opinion. I love that you have an opinion, uh, but I'd love to see if you, we could collaborate together. Do you know oh, what I mean? Like, yeah. or, or mm. let's, I would, I would love to see if there's you know, how good you are at hearing other people's opinions and if we can find a way to, you know, kind of coordinate those opinions. Do you know what I'm saying? Like something yeah. that would start to get at the language of like, I don't know, what would Barack do, Alyssa? <laughs> uh, I think he would say, if I were to channel him, I think he would say, what exactly are you trying to communicate? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would infuriate me when I was heated. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's like, that's super frustrating. Um, I think that going along with what you're saying, Kieran, I think that like telling a kid no is is usually just a dead end. It, you have to tell them yes to some alternative activity. So like, oh, you know what? Uh, I need somebody to help me. I need somebody to write down all these ideas. Here, I'm gonna you're really good at ideas. I'm going to give you the crayon and you get to write down the ideas. Like distract. Or, that's good. And like, yeah. I love this is I love that you're so assertive. I love that you have such a loud and powerful voice because you're such a leader. Because you are such a leader, you know, I think it's important to be able to harness that and listen to other people too so that you know you can take that into your life moving forward. What do you guys think about this too? Bossy seems to me like the kind of kind of characteristic that is, you, you see it when there's a group of people around. So let's say Stephen is witnessing his niece being bossy and takes what his niece says and then says, hey, that's a great idea. Now, uh, Amanda, what do you have to say? Or, uh, you know, uh, uh, Alyssa, what are your thoughts on this? So if you as the adult solicit other thoughts or other opinions from the other kids who she's being bossy to, that doesn't negate what the niece's 
trying to get at or her like, uh, you know, uh, confidence or her being uh, assertive, but it does indicate that there's somebody else who can step in and say, hey, we need to give everybody uh, a say here and a chance to step in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think appealing to fairness is good. Like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, like Katie listened to you. So let's listen to Katie because that way Katie will listen to you next time and you listen, that's, you know, we're all going to listen to each other. So we all get a chance to talk because that's how we handle this thing. So. All um, right. Okay. I won't call my niece a hater anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I do um, love little hater though. I'm going to start doing, my, my husband throws any sort of sass at me. He's going to get, <laughs> get a little hater. Little Pepper, little Pepper is going to talk to big hater. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's a perfect combo. Oh my God, I love it. Okay, let's go on to the second uh, advice question. Hello, Erin and Alyssa. I'm a recent high school graduate and I love your podcast. And the question that I want to ask you to is, do you have any advice for any young women, especially young women of color who are interested in joining politics or public service? Ooh, Grace, I'm going to I'm going to toss to you because you've done some activism stuff and I bet you have something interesting to say. You know, I just uh, recently heard about a new program that's starting in California that uh, is kind of like a pilot for the state that's it's independent. It's not through the state itself, but it's basically trying to provide an opportunity uh, as a pipeline for people, women of color specifically, who want to get involved in politics at the staff level. So it's not just about, oh, we need more women of color who are uh, elected officials or who are running for office. There's a lot of those programs. But this is specifically, and by the way, those are incredibly important and so useful. And I'm so glad to see more of those happening. But I love the idea that there are programs now that are popping up that are specifically about a pipeline from basically just having an interest in politics to becoming a staffer at at varying levels um, of political involvement. So I love that idea. I also think that this is where social media is super, super, super helpful. There's so many different political campaigns and so many different individual um uh, activist-based kind of groups that that really need volunteers and need people working at the intern level, at the assistant level, who don't have the kind of uh, pipeline access that, let's say, the DNC or a state Democratic Party might have. So I think you find and can communicate with a lot of people who work in those groups through social media. So in some ways, it's as simple as just putting in your bio, like, hey, I'm politically active, or I'm interested in this kind of a thing on on Twitter, you know, or, or maybe TikTok. I don't know. Does anybody get from TikTok now, they might. I guess yes. <laughs> guess yes. Um, so part of it is, and this is, by the way, I, this is something I think about all the time. It's not just for people who are trying to get involved in, in politics, but in some ways you have to learn to be your own advocate and to push your own agenda and be kind of pushy about what it is that you want to do yourself, which is really hard to do. I struggle with it constantly. I really struggle with promoting myself. I really struggle with talking about the things that I want and putting it out there in the world. That is really, really tough for me, especially on a public public level. But I do think that for this fabulous young listener and for other young listeners who are listening, or listeners of any age, by the way, um, that that having a little boost of of confidence in knowing that it's okay to put yourself out there and that it is part of the process of, of becoming employed and getting that dream job is is helpful. Maybe you just need to hear us talking about it today to be like, you know what? I am going to put myself out there. I am going to try out for this this position. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, what, what about you? Since like you worked on the inside of politics, like what yeah. would you recommend? 
What I would say is that, you know, when I graduated college, I didn't know any of the jobs I would ultimately end up having even existed. Mm-hmm. And so I would find, one, it's always best to start out with someone you really believe in. So whether it's a city councilor or mayor or older person or anybody – Try to volunteer like a couple hours a week. I mean, because the one thing that we know is like politics and and public service don't really pay the bills, uh, not Mm -hmm. that well, all the time. So see if you really love it. Get people to know your name. Let them know that they can rely on you. And then, you know, I think that for me, so many people who I've hired over the years, that's kind of how they started. And you're like, oh, you know what? If I can call Grace, you can always count on Grace. And then Grace gets more exposure to all the different, (laughs) you know, to all the different, all the different jobs that there are. And that way you, you don't even just get exposure. You see if you like it. You see if it's public uh, service for you or politics or campaigning that you enjoy. And you kind of, I think, end up in a place where you belong more than, you know, just, just kind of going by what you hear from other people and, and going after it. That's a great answer. Let's move on to question three. Hey, this is Nayara, and I would like to know what is the appropriate amount of time for me to continue watching the latest episode of a TV series that my husband and I watch together, but he's passed out on the sofa. Can I watch the whole thing and he just catches <laughs> up later? What am I supposed to do? Thank you. Oh, Megan, going to toss to you, married lady, who yeah. I don't know why I feel like you can answer this one. Yeah, I, she she answered her own question. She should finish the episode and he can catch up later. I think, like, yep, yep. He fell, I fall asleep. It's, it's great. And then a fun trick, I have done this. I had a friend fall asleep during Knives Out when we saw it in the theater, and we were able to convince her that Sebastian Maniscalco was in it. So <laughs> you can also play a trick on him and be like, that was crazy. Cher was in Mayor of Easttown. I am am the person who's always falling asleep early. Uh, Always, always, always without fail. And I have gotten used to just being like, fuck it. I'm just not going to know what's going on. My husband watches thoroughly. Like, he'll just finish the episode. But one thing he does that I recommend that I love is the next time we pick up the next episode, he will always say, okay, you fell asleep here, so here's what you missed. And that rundown is super, super helpful. So if you want to give your husband a rundown next time, just to, just to you know, fill in the blanks for him, you just watch the rest of the episode. It's totally fine. Karen, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. And then if you want a real A plus, it's like you can write out some cliff notes, you know, you can send, <laughs> send, send uh-huh. over, you know, just send over some notes, you know, wow. if you like to, to catch you up, to catch you up <laughs> as little, as little talking as possible, sure, you know, sure. right, so that you can right. move on to the important parts of a relationship, like the television. Like watching TV. <laughs> Alyssa, you and your husband have like different schedules. So like, how do you guys handle shows you're watching together if one of you falls asleep? Okay. So we make sure to watch it early. So like, let's see, Mrs. America, we watch together. The morning show we watch together, a couple others. And it's like, you just have to start it at seven, but he knows (laughs) that if he falls asleep, if he falls asleep, like literally the old adage goes, you snooze, you lose. Like I keep watching, obviously. (laughs) I say, I think I agree with, with you all that you can keep watching to the end of the episode. You can't go ahead and no, watch the next episode. No, 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 no. You no, cannot no. go ahead. Unless it is like a 
finale situation. Then I think once they fall asleep, I would out I would do a courtesy pause. Yeah, okay, like, yes. Yes. And, agree. And be agree. Like, finale is wanna, an exception. Right. What if they're binging? What if they're binging together? Like if they're binging together but somebody taps out episode 2 or 3. Oh yeah, then that's you finish the episode, I yeah. think. That's and then you just and then you just let it ride. Yeah, you just let it ride and but don't go on beyond the episode that they fell asleep in. I think that's that's fair. That's totally that's, fair. Totally, that's totally a good fair. compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next question. Hello, Hysteria. I love you guys so much. I wait for Thursday to come. My favorite podcast. Anyway, I have been engaged to a one seemingly wonderful human being for a year now, but I recently found out that he supports Ron DeSantis. Is this a complete deal breaker? Thank you. Oh, I think Florida is the deal breaker, personally. <laughs> um, hurtful, hurtful, Grace. <laughs> wow, the Florida hate on this podcast. Florida, <laughs> we got a little hater over here. Yeah. Yeah, little yeah, hater, little no, pepper hater. hater. Yeah. Cheeks, uncool. You're a little hater. <laughs> very uncool, Grace. <laughs> you guys are all being very bossy right now, Kieran. Um, your your family's in Florida. You grew up in Florida. You have like probably closer knowledge of Ron DeSantis than anybody here. What do you what do you think the answer is here? Is is he a good guy? Is it a deal breaker? I don't like this man. I don't <laughs> like I don't like him. I mean, I don't like him. I don't like him. Um I don't like him. So I but uh, but look, I do have friends it's your partner. It's like, I do have friends. Look, th- nobody's going to be a perfect, like, nobody's going to be a perfect, like, pe- like if you're a piece of paper, nobody's going to be, like, in the exact same thing. There's always going to be stuff. So, like, you know, I'm just thinking about, like, I do have some very close friends who are Republicans, you know, and because I'm from Florida. So it's, and and there's definitely, like, things that I don't agree with or it's like we can have a conversation, but you, like, this is a tough one because it's your partner. Um, but if you've, if you know this person personally and, you know, biblically and spiritually, <laughs> what, you know, it's like you're already in there. Do you know what I mean? I, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like you've made it work this far. Um, I, you know, you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I know? don't know. I got questions. I, well, I, I would try and get to, the core of why he supports him. Like, what are the policies? What are the issues that he's like, oh, I'm on his side on this? And then also, why was this something you didn't know? And that's right. not on that's not on you, girl, in any way. Um, but just like, was it was it something he was keeping? Is this truly a shock? Like, what is the dynamic of this quote unquote revelation and where does it come from? I was just going to say, Gailey, because I know so many Republicans, I'm like, I didn't suggest answering those questions or going into a deep dive because you might not want to know the answers. I know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the, you know, if it's a, are, do I know Republicans that are like, it's taxes. Okay. Like, I still think you're like shitty. But sure. if, if you're, if your fiance is screaming, build that wall. Oh, well, that <laughs> yeah. that's an elevation of shittiness to me. Mm-hmm. 
Grace, what you looked like you wanted to say something. I, yeah. I was just going to say that, yeah, I mean, is it possible that maybe they have gotten to the point in the relationship where they're affianced and that <laughs> she didn't know this about her husband because politics is just not that important to him mm-hmm. or maybe to, to either of them. And that's okay, too. Um, you know, to Kieran's point about, like, nobody is going to align with you on, on, on every little thing. If you're not aligned on things that maybe don't matter that much to one or both parties, then then it's definitely I I don't think it's a deal breaker. But yeah, I mean, if he either lied about his his uh, support of Ron DeSantis, or if he you know was keeping it for some reason, or if it really means like everything to you, and for whatever reason you didn't find out until recently, that could be more of an issue. But I do think it's possible that for some people, politics just isn't a deal breaker in general, and maybe that's what we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, do you have anything to add? No, I co-sign everything Gailey said. And then, but also to Grace's <laughs> point is that, is like she listens to hysteria. Exactly. So right, right, Obviously right. at least a little important to her. <laughs> Otherwise, she'd be fucking repelled by us. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. my <laughs> question is, why is this? Did this just come up? And mm-hmm. I think the same thing. It's like everyone is like, I voted for Trump because of taxes. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. So you're not racist, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I think that she just needs to find out a little bit about why he supports him. Just doesn't have to dig deep. Mm-hmm. But I think there are some Broad major strokes. red flags yeah. that could play out later in life mm-hmm. that that are yeah. driving this. So I think mm-hmm. it's worth right. This could be a swing voter situation where totally you know, Florida highly contested. Yeah, if you see an in to bring him to our side. I say stay with him. Yeah. <laughs> Double yeah, down think, on this wedding. I'll officiate yeah. it if he wants to come on over. Yeah, I'm on a gondola. On a gondola. On a pontoon boat. Uh, I I'm of two minds here. One, whenever I meet somebody that I that I vibe with, that I can be friends with, who is politically. Are not on the same side as me. I am that kind of a cocky bitch that's like, oh, I'll convince you eventually. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll be on my side. You're a challenge. You, I like if you it. hang out with me enough. <laughs> um, so I think that like you know, if a person is wonderful in every other way, there's no reason to consider it a deal breaker. Long game that shit. Flip that vote because mm-hmm. I Votes. I believe you. I believe you can. But I wanted to close this question on one point, and that's that taxes thing that people are bringing up. Like I voted for this person. Whenever someone says they voted for a overt racist because mm-hmm. of taxes, that mm-hmm. to me is not exculpatory. That mm-hmm. to me is saying essentially you can buy my. Uh, ignoring your racism if you mm-hmm. offer to give me enough money, which is like even grosser. Yes, yes. It's mm-hmm. like it's like yeah, you tuck tuck enough hundred dollar bills into my fiscal g string, and <laughs> I will dance for whatever piece of shit comes into the club. And it's like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but I just I I just I find that to be almost like. Kind of like a, it's it's like oh really? So you're you are racist if someone buys your support? I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm I'm oh, against it. Can't wait to see their registry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I say it's not a deal breaker, but there's a lot of we all have questions. We have um, questions. Yeah, let's move on to the next question. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm a high school choir director in Connecticut, and I am rebuilding my program after we took a big hit from the pandemic. So my question is, what 
songs or kinds of songs, specific or general, would make either your teenage selves or your current selves super stoked to join and sing in a choir? Thanks. Oh, boy. Oh, Chris. I'm nice. so ready. Grace, I'm going to go to you first. I, I really, I, this, this, uh, Chris, you speak to my heart. Uh, I, I got to give a shout out to my high school choir teacher, Mr. Art Buckley, who was amazing, who I still uh, think about, not in a weird way, but just, he's really, really inspirational. What an amazing teacher. And what, uh, and, and Chris, it's so cool that you're, that you're um, uh, asking us this question. Okay, so I have a few thoughts here. First of all, one of the things that I really loved about high school choir was when we sang those big, epic classical pieces, like your Handel's Messiah, like, you know, Carmina Burana, like Dies Irae. Like, I look back and I'm so grateful that I have some awareness of what those big classical pieces are because I got to sing it in high school. Um, so I wouldn't, I would say, like, don't turn away from the classics, for sure. That's important. I think, like, some choir teachers get real cutesy with, like, oh, we got to do our, you know, glee medley or whatever and like I don't need anybody singing yellow submarine I just don't want that and like it's very it's very awkward to put high school kids in the position where they're singing hypersexualized stuff too like you know 14 year old singing toxic is fucking acapella is we it's weird so I don't want that either um, uh, even like Big Spender, even yes! Big Spender is like, nah, maybe the kids shouldn't be singing that one yeah I yeah I, so I don't so I don't love that um so I would say definitely stick with the classics in some ways. Oh, here's one thing I never need to hear. And I can speak about this from personal experience. Um, if you are the choir teacher uh, of a primarily white choir, high school or otherwise, don't make your students sing African spirituals. Why do they all do be, that? I don't know. I don't Why know. Why do they all do that? I don't know. It's uncomfortable don't. for all Listen, all you sing the music you're given, okay? <laughs> you sing the music you're given. I mean, Haley, beautiful. what if you had to sing? Oh, <laughs> I have, I have sang Swing Low, Sweet oh, Chariot, with oh, totally other white people at a nursing home oh, in like oh. Center Grove, Indiana. Wow. <laughs> not good, y'all, not Do we good. have a tape? Do we have uh, the sure. tapes? I'm sure. I'm You're going to sure. get canceled if that tape comes out. A hundred percent. And I'll deserve it. I'm not even a good singer. This wasn't <laughs> even for choir. This was for theater. <laughs> uh, Alyssa, you are a habitual sing out louder. What would you recommend? Okay. So also as someone who was in choir, but was specifically asked to mouth the words. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Um, okay, so I'm kind of with Grace on this one. I say go back to some really vibrant, like, Broadway classics. Like, I want to mm. hear That's Entertainment, which I could sing if I wanted to right now. But also <laughs> sometimes – Sometimes – shut up, Kieran. But sometimes, <laughs> like, a really joyful – like, we also did um, – we sang I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, like oh. with you two, in like 1990 or something. Um, <laughs> but I love a good disco that everybody can sing to. So I would say like if for warm-up practice, like if for warm-up only or practice, I Love You by Donna Summer is one of my fucking favorite songs. And you just skip through the day after you sing it. So I would say let's do a little Judy Garland. Let's do a little Donna Summer. I love it. Oh, I love that. 100% agree. Okay, so I sing in high school, and some people, many people don't know this about me, but I was like, I took like special voice lessons where I sang like arias and did opera. Yeah, I did opera and shit, so I sang mostly in Italian, which 
One time I went to an Italian grocery store to get something and Josh tried to text me a list along with pronunciations. And it's like, I know how to pronounce Piave, Josh. I sang, <laughs> I, I sang arias in high school. But you so and I, Meryl Streep. <laughs> so, I sang, so I sang in college and stuff. I sang in a religious choir in college. And I agree with Grace that some of the religious stuff is like really cool. It's a little bit higher barrier or like the classic stuff. It's a little bit higher barrier to entry. Um, I love, to go along with what Alyssa said, classic Broadway, specifically uh, shows that Ethel Merman was in. Oh, Annie, yeah. Annie Get Your Gun. That is the funnest soundtrack and mostly totally appropriate for middle school kids. Like anything you can do, I can do better. Get your mm-hmm. two, like your 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 altos and your sopranos going back and mm-hmm. forth on that. You, that's like so much fun to sing. Um so yeah, I, th- I think that that's probably, that's what I would recommend. That's what Wait, I would love to sing. Erin, I have to tell you something. Mm-hmm. I wake up to anything you can do, I can do better. The Barbara Streisand and um, Melissa McCarthy version every day. Oh my nice. God. I love that. Nice. Uh, another one that's, uh, you can't get a man with a gun is probably not school appropriate, but <laughs> it is an incredible. That it's a good is lesson. My- Good lesson. It's a good lesson. Yeah, I'm quick on the trigger with targets not much bigger than a pen point, a number one. Anyway, it's a great song. I sing it when I clean. Um, I think that's all the time we have for answering listener questions. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to do Sanity Corner. But before we do that, another fuck that guy. Thanks to you. Hi, Hysteria. I'm Victoria from Pennsylvania, um, and I wanted to say... Fuck that guy to the two commissioners in Scott County, Indiana, who decided to vote to close the syringe services program there. Mike Jones, Randy Julian, fuck you. Syringe services programs provide people who use drugs with life-saving services and access to treatment, and you can go to hell. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Okay, welcome back. A little bit of housekeeping. Alyssa, have you listened to Edith yet? I have just started. How do you like it? It is so good. Okay, so for those of you who have not listened to Edith yet, Crooked has partnered with our friends at Q Code to bring you Edith, which is a new scripted comedy starring Rosamund Pike. And two episodes are here. So can you kind of, Alyssa, can you give them like a, a rundown of what It's about, it's such a juicy topic. So Edith explores the untold truish story of America's secret first female president, Edith Wilson, the first lady to Woodrow Wilson. You guys are going to love it. A couple crooked favorites wrote that, right? Travis, who used to be with Love It or Leave It? Yes, yes. Travis, this is his, this is his baby, so to speak. This is his baby. Um, And what a 
A-list name to have attached to a scripted podcast. I mean, it's so good. You know, it is funny to me that, like, our first female president was a secret. Of course. Our first female everything is usually a secret for at least 100 years. That's true. Well, it'll. Uh, I I can't wait. I haven't I haven't dove in yet, but I can't wait to start because I have a car ride this weekend. So I'm gonna I'm gonna listen on the way. It is fully car ride worthy. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, you can check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I have a little bit of housekeeping personal news to give. Um, you guys all know this, but our listeners don't know this. Uh, you guys remember like at the beginning of pandemic when I said that I was going to come out of pandemic like Linda Hamilton and Terminator? <laughs> oh, yeah. we remember that? Oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I, spe- I failed to specify which Terminator because initially <laughs> I meant Terminator 2 where she goes to an insane asylum and comes out all jacked. But the reality is I'm coming out a little bit more like Linda Hamilton in Terminator 1 and that I am pregnant. <laughs> so, so that's exciting. Yay! Um, yeah, what a I'm, way! What a way to intro that. That was like that was a good. Beautiful. That was like Poetic. a good. Bi- yeah, it was like a Ex- poem. Exceptionally well done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I think Alyssa knew the day that I got a positive. Print. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're really excited. I'm due on Halloween. We're not finding we're not finding out the sex. So the gender reveal will be in the delivery room, which is what I prefer. Great. It'll be a fun surprise. Yes. No wildfires. <laughs> no, hopefully not. Can you tell um, can you tell us how you're how you're feeling, how you've been um sleeping and eating and all these good things? Oh yeah. Um I can I can share that. I uh I didn't get sick at all, um, which is great. And I thought you know, oh, this is this isn't too hard. You know, whatever. I, I'm pretty lucky. And then over the last couple of weeks, I've been experiencing a lot of movement inside of my <laughs> uterus. And yesterday, I was laying on the couch wearing my high waisted exercise pants because that's like the only comfortable thing now. And I could see it kicking. <laughs> oh my god! Through <laughs> my pants, like through the high waisted. <laughs> it was. Scary. And I, like, <laughs> I mean, it's cool. It's like miracle of life. Like, it's it's the most, like, it's our most pedestrian miracle because we all owe our existence to a woman being like, yeah, sure, I'll do this. <laughs> um, but it's still like every day I'm like, that's, you know, what's really weird. I'm growing a person, but also a, a an LP sized placenta <laughs> that looks like wrinkled meat and that I just dispose of when it's done. <laughs> it's a disposable organ. This is pregnancy is crazy. And I am convinced that if we all spent more time thinking about it, we would go insane mm, because it is mm-hmm. legit insane. But I'm feeling good. Um, we have uh, you know, everybody's excited, everybody's healthy. So that's you amazing. Know. And yeah. you did this for the podcast. I did yes. this for the podcast. Yes. Yeah. People were writing in and going, there's no mothers. And Aaron yeah. goes, you know what? Okay. I'll, I'll do it. Fine. Take do one it. for the team. So take one listen. for the team. We listen to your reviews and your feedback. Mm-hmm. We really do. We take it very seriously. My favorite um, thing that you said, Ryan, was like, you're like, pregnancy is metal. Yeah. <laughs> it is metal. And you're like, it's so metal. Like it, it is. I was I was talking to uh, Megan, a mutual friend of ours, and uh, she was talking about how, like, you know, giving birth 
she got, you know, after giving birth, she was kind of like, okay, you know, I'm fine. Because, you know, you get, as a woman, you get this, or as a person giving birth, you have this like flood of hormones that makes you kind of forget what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's how we're designed. But her husband who was there in the room with her was like traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they do not have the same hormones that make them forget. <laughs> But yeah, so Josh is really looking forward to that seeing. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we're we're really excited, and uh, I'm, we are really excited. And we're excited too. Yeah, excited. the first hysteria baby. This yes. is really exciting. The baby is going to have like a thousand ants, oh, which I'm yes. really excited about, and uh, I'm sure the baby can't wait to meet all of you. Ugh. I just hope Such the baby exciting. really comes on Halloween, and it's just like a real little witch. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's the nicest that's the nicest thing you could possibly say about this. I hope your baby is a little witch or warlock. You know. Or warlock. Or, or warlock. warlock. Either one. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of pulling um, for a witch. No. <laughs> the accessories come out with the baby, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't want to deliver a, I don't want to deliver a pointy hat. Come on, Karen. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get to sanity corner. The things that have been keeping us from losing our minds this week. Usually I work out who goes first on this, but I didn't this time because, you know, 150th episode, no rules. Um, Megan, your face is biggest on my screen right now. Do you want to go first? (laughs) I got a big face. Um, I'm happy to go first. Uh, First of all, it's my dad's birthday today. So happy birthday to my dad. I did tweet, I happy birthday to my white dad who did not vote for Trump ever. Um, so big ups to G. Gailey. And my <laughs> sanity corner, wow. So I was on a road trip with my husband and my brother-in-law, and I had to be exposed to some of the podcasts that men listen to. Not good. So <laughs> we were able to find a compromise, found a podcast for all of us to listen to. It's a new one. It's called Whistleblower, and it's about the NBA gambling scandal, Tim Donahue. Maybe that's a name that, like, he was a ref. He was betting on games. The mob is involved. Ooh. It's pretty fun. Yeah, Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos does the does the voiceover oh, for a lot of it. Um, if you like the mayor of Easttown accent, you are going to love this podcast. It's like in Delco, <laughs> and they talk yeah. like that the whole time. So it's um, I'm only halfway through, but it's been pretty fun so far. Oh, that sounds awesome. I love, I love, first of all, that actor is amazing. And I'm watching The Sopranos for the first time, and he's just a delight. Every time he's on screen, I want to, like, clap. To just be born to play a mafiosa is a gift. Yeah, totally. Um, All right, Kieran, do you want to go next? Yeah. um, I, I know that, like, work is starting back up and people's lives are kind of, like, gearing back in. So as we're, like, revving up, I was in, um, I was by the beach yesterday and it was just such a good reminder to get outside, just a plug for getting outside, just wherever is pretty around your neighborhood or house, you know, whether it's trees or, or whether it's a body of water, just, just, just giving yourself the gift of, of making time to get outside. Cause I think that it really is like a good mood booster and just like also is just a reminder. It's just such an easy thing that's available everywhere in the country. And it's, it's just a, it's just good to have that little reminder of like, Hey, this can, this can really help to like reset your brain and get away from a 
computer screen or the tablet or the iPhone that we've all been looking at for the last year and a half and just remember mm-hmm. to like breathe and look at a a bird or a squirrel or some shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I was going to do a different sanity corner, but I'll piggyback on yours, Kieran. Uh, recreation.gov is a good resource to find public lands near you. I know that there's like been all these stories in, uh, in like the Wall Street Journal and stuff about how slammed national parks are right now. Mm-hmm. And they are. The popular ones are really, really, really overrun. But it's really weird because attendance at national parks is very uneven. There are places mm-hmm. that barely anybody goes. There's a national park just off the coast of California called Channel Islands National Park. There's one of the least visited national parks in, in the country. And I just went there this past weekend with my parents. You have to take a you have to take a boat. There's like a string of I think seven islands, and I think four of them are part of the national park. But it's beautiful. It's unspoiled. It's undeveloped. It's like you see all this marine life. It's really awesome. And barely anybody goes um, versus like Zion National Park, where people are standing for three hours to to take a trail. Which mm-hmm. you know, it's great to appreciate the natural beauty. But like, are you really? Are you helping if you're kind of overrunning a national park? Anyway, recreation.gov, you can find public land near you. You can also find places that aren't as well attended. Get on a trail, you know, just get out there and see some stuff. Um, especially like the, yeah, the undervisited places are, are really special and really cool. And there are people that work really hard to maintain them. So that's my sanity corner for this week. And Alyssa, I'm going to let you bring us home on our 150th episode since you're so good at not going crazy. <laughs> okay, you guys. Buy my jam. My farm. Okay, I'm not telling people to buy my jam. However, oh, okay. my farm stands are open. And I didn't realize how much I <laughs> missed bombarding them with my annoying questions. Like all winter, I've had to be silent. I've had no one to talk to during the day here in upstate New York. And like now my farm stands are open and you guys, I'm like the progressive commercial, the guy when he's teaching them how to like not be middle-aged, like be their parents. Because I just show up and I'm like, where are the strawberries from today? And they're like, we picked them. I'm like, what a great season. And they're like, okay, move on, lady. Move on. (laughs) And I just want to be friends with all of them. Mrs. Eager, if you're listening, I just want you to like me. Um, But this, it's like, you know, I get up at the crack of dawn anyway. And so now it's like, you know, I sit there waiting for them to open open. I take my garbage to the dump and then I'm off to see if the strawberries and the raspberries are out. I'm making idle chit chat about stone fruit season. And so anyway, as you can tell, it brings me joy. So I'm very excited about it. Oh my gosh. Alyssa, do you ever, do you ever fuck around and grill a pear or a Mm. peach? Yes. I've grilled fruit. Um, I'm not great at it. I'm better at roasting it, but a grilled peach with a little goat cheese on some arugula, go to town, Ooh. people. Ooh. Yeah. Throw that shit on the grill, and it is. Throw it on the grill. It's good. Really so the, awesome. the sanity corner, then, is fruit talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's me in the Subaru driving around, feeling the wind through my hair, Kieran, oh, and just gosh. joy. Okay. Enjoy. How do we replicate it? That's what I'm asking. How do we replicate Find it? Find your farm stand and try to make— 
intrusive relationships with the owners. <laughs> yes. Okay. Sorry. Right. Alyssa, oh, you are like Paddington come to life. You are human <laughs> Paddington. And I love it. You know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm 45 <laughs> years old and I'm human Paddington. I'm finally getting somewhere. <laughs> wow. Human Paddington. It looks like we've got a new intro for you, Alyssa. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> and that is all the time we have on our 150th episode. Megan, Kieran, and Grace, who had to jump off. And Alyssa, thank you so much for being here from the beginning. Um, Really appreciate the hell out of you guys. And hopefully, you know, there's 150 more episodes coming because that that would be great. Um, Thank you to Senator Tammy Baldwin for joining us. And thanks to you, the listeners. I wasn't kidding when I said you guys are the very best. We really couldn't have done the show for 150 episodes without you. And we hope you stick around for what's to come. I am from another planet. This nation is Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com.